Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I remember getting the ambulance journey from the hospital to, to Harold's Cross. My mom looked out the window and she saw the mountains and she was like... This is the only bit of Ireland I've seen since I've been here. I, I wish I had more time to see more. Telling your own story, especially when it involves grief and loss, can be something that is exceptionally difficult to do. I know that from my own experiences, and I know Venetia would probably say the same as well. But our guest this week, Sean Kennedy, tells the story of loving and caring for and losing his mother in, in really an exceptional way um sean is a tenor a writer and a performer and his beautiful show nine weeks recently um received widespread acclaim um sean is an amazing person i hope he's not embarrassed hearing me say that and sitting with him and listening to the story of how he flew to australia to help his mom in a time when she needed him most and um caring for her despite not knowing how to amidst unbelievably difficult circumstances and bringing her home to Ireland um, is incredible. And I want to thank Sean um, from the bottom of our hearts for coming on and being a guest. This week's guest is a tenor, writer and performer whose beautiful show Nine Weeks received widespread acclaim at this year's Dublin Fringe Festival. Nine Weeks deals with Sean Kennedy's experience of bringing his terminally ill mother home from Australia at the hands of an abusive partner. Now, before we speak about this particular experience, Sean, could you perhaps tell us a little bit of background about your family life before your mum moved to Australia and how that inspired your previous Fringe production, Boy? And um, you're very welcome. It's lovely to meet you. <laughs> you too. Um, so I guess to jump straight in, when I was a kid, um, my parents had a very difficult relationship. My father was very abusive. Um, and I guess we all suffered at the hands of that. And as the years went by, I was about 10, I think, when she finally had the strength to kind of try and separate. Um, so they began to break apart at that point. And there's a load of mess that happens in between. And around the time I was 15, my mom, uh, I guess, left Mm-hmm. Uh, so she she left uh, and she m- moved between Australia and Wexford. 
I guess. That's quite a big distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She met a New Zealander mm. and he had a family in, in Australia. And so she spent some time over there. And then I guess me and my sister saw very little of her from that point on for a long block of time. Mm. Um, and um, I guess that is what the first show that I made was about boy. So it mm. was about the struggle that my mom suffered um, at the hands of my father and me and my sister the same. At that point, I felt like my mom had abandoned me and my sister. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because yeah. it's a, a very brave thing for her to have done to mm-hmm. go. But that must have been just like a death for you guys. Like it must have been so hard. Yeah, and I thought this might come up talking to you about nine weeks because in experiencing grief when my mom passed away um, it felt not dissimilar to mm. the pain that I'd felt at a different point in my life um, mm. Just it's hard to say it's not as intense but we just looked after each other and we, we tried to get on with our lives and uh, that was a bit of a rocky journey as mm. well and at the end of that piece boy the show I kind of tried to be positive I tried to just say you know well, I want my mom to be happy. At least she's safe, as far mm-hmm. as I knew. So I guess a couple of years passed by, and uh, my mom got a terminal diagnosis um, of cancer. And actually, what had happened was my sister, she wasn't doing too great, and she decided to venture over to Australia to see my mom. And actually, while she was there, my mom was diagnosed. And over that time, my sister then was living with my mom and minding her and it all kind of came out in the woodwork of my mom's new partner and how how horrible he was and how Mm. cruel he was and how he was horrible to my sister as well and so it's history repeating Mm. in one way i guess yeah Mm. so my mom like she she had a mastectomy and she went through chemotherapy and after a period of recovery uh, my sister had to come back to ireland after it was about a year and a half Mm she couldn't renew her visa but my mom had sort of stabilised at that point and it was about maybe it was a couple of years after that then that there was a a return of, of mm. the cancer and I remember it was the summer of 2017 um, so I found out probably early maybe May April or May and uh, my mom phoned me and told me that she, she'd been given a terminal diagnosis at that point and my immediate reaction was like okay come home yeah. you know like come home I yeah. want you to come home and she was like well I, there's nowhere for me to go now mm. at this point I can't look after myself she was back with this partner mm. this, yeah. and I said to her I was like oh you, like we'll figure it out yeah. you can just come stay with me you know I don't care like I just want to see as much of you as possible between now and then basically Um, and uh, she wasn't really keen on coming back because um, I guess she didn't feel like she had anywhere to go that was one thing and she didn't want to leave this abusive Mm. relationship Mm. even though they were living separated Mm. and she decided to stay and she began to say that you know I'm be fine I'm I'm not going to let this beat me so she I guess she she was denying Mm, what was happening happening. Mm. And so I got very angry and I, I started going to see a counsellor and it was very difficult because I was dealing with feeling like all the other issues before that I felt like, you know, 
I was like, well, maybe she doesn't love me or maybe like what I really want to see her and I want to come home. And it all got very messy and I got very angry and I didn't rush over to her because I was like, I can't, I can't deal with yeah. this. I don't know if she wants me there. If I go over there, what's going to happen? And then October rolled around and my my mom's brother uh, called me and uh, he just said, he was like, we, you know, your mom is really bad. We think she's. I mean, this often happens with cancer. People are like, it's the last bit. It's the mm, last bit. And yeah. you know, there's so many last bits. Or you no. get told yeah. they're fine, yeah. and then and it yeah. is. Yeah, the last bit happens. <laughs> so my uncle uh, Eamon and my aunt uh, Regine decided to send me over to try and bring her home. Mm. And I remember joking, saying, I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to bring her home. She'll come home if she wants yeah. to come home. Yeah. I'm like, I can ask her, yeah. you know. Mm. So I didn't know what to expect. And I remember phoning her saying, look, uh, Eamon is is offering to pay for my ticket over to, to pick you up. And she was like, oh, my God. She was like, come over. Aww. I'd love you to come over. She's yeah. like, I'd love to see you. I can show you. I can show you all the places I do my art. And I'd love to show you Coochie Mudlow Island. Mm. And, and she was like, oh, you'll love it over here. You'll just love it. Aww. And she was so excited. And I felt like, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this is what I want and this yeah. is what I need. I, I, was, I wasn't expecting that, you know. Mm. Um, so then... I spoke to her again and she was like, well, I don't know if I'm ready to come back to Ireland, but you know what? Just tell them that you bring me back and come over and just stay <laughs> yeah. and, we'll have, and we'll have a holiday. And I was like, okay, okay. all right. She was yeah. like, no, you're not to tell Bridget. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I won't. So yeah. I was like, I went over like delighted. I was like, oh, this is going to be like great. Yeah. And like, I completely forgot about the context of the situation. I was like, I'm basically getting a paid holiday to yeah. Australia to see my mom. <laughs> Um, so I I went over and uh, that was my first long long distance flight like that and um, when I got off the plane I was expecting to see my mom that I remembered and give her a big hug and mm. and she was like barely able to move oh she was like kind of well first her partner met me and. Um, brought me over to her and she was like on a walk and stick and she was like hunched over in pain and when I went over she was like oh she was like don't don't hug me too I'm sorry love she was like it's just I'm in a lot of pain at the moment and it just like hit me then like I was like oh my god I was like this is this is awful that must have been very hard to come off a flight where you have one thing and a long yeah. flight like that where you believe one thing is going to be on the other side and yeah. the responsibility then when you when you see like that's that had to have been very hard and I didn't really know what what I was going into I just thought I, I'm going to try bring her bring her home yeah. um, and when we got there and the first thing I felt was just my mom being in so much pain and I didn't know what to do I didn't know what medication she was on I didn't know who was looking after her I didn't know what was going on but I could see that she was like in agony, and I, I just remember mm. saying to her, I was like, I was like, what, what are you supposed to be taking? What, what, yeah. what can, what can you take? Surely you don't need to be in this much pain. What's going on? And she was like, oh, I have this, and I don't know when I'm taking that. And basically, she'd in a mixture of being in denial about the condition she was in, she had been in and out of treatment with like a palliative unit had started taking care of her in the Brisbane um, matter. And they'd kind of prescribed her things and she was kind of helter-skelter taking them bits all over the place yeah. and, and was kind of like, oh, I don't know. And so um, the next night then she just was, it was like this, I was, she was just in so much agony. It was like, 
I, I can't even describe seeing the, the pain that she was in. She couldn't breathe and I was sitting on the bed beside her and she was just like wailing. It was like this sharp pain across her, her chest and and her hands were sweating. And I was like, Mom, I was like, we have to get you an ambulance. She was like, no, 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 no. She's like, no. She's like, I, I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, we, we could just go to hospital. She's like, no, we can't, we can't. And she was kind of like pushing against it, but she was in agony. Yeah. and. And the next morning, I I was like, look, we're going to the doctor today. We have to. We absolutely have mm. to. This, so we, we, we went and she got a scan and the doctor immediately ran to the hospital. He was yeah. like, you know, you have to go to mm. the hospital. She had a, a thing called pleural effusion and cancer causes like white blood cells, like a liquid to build up in the the space between your lungs and your yeah. chest cavity and it creates pressure and, and pain, it's extreme then, yeah. pain. It feels like you're drowning. It's horrible. Mm. So they they told her that uh, she'd have to have that drained pretty quickly and it was a procedure but that she wouldn't be able to fly for okay. at least six weeks. So and I my return ticket with her was for two weeks. Okay. And so I didn't even ask. I was like, you're not going to be able to fly in this condition. So mm. I was like, just get the procedure. I'll see if, if the ticket can be Change. extended. Yeah. So we did that and um, I... Uh, began to kind of take over her care so I had nothing else to do there so mm. it was a I really just wanted to spend time with her but I ended I ended up kind of managing her medication and keeping the house clean and trying to basically look after her she spent a lot of the time like sleeping or like even in pain on the medication mm. and we couldn't really leave the house she couldn't drive anymore mm. because of the pain even after the procedure and all the while her separated partner that they were sharing the house with then started this whole other thing of like vibing me out as he as he put it so it it's just it got it got I think it's really good that you're talking about the medication side of things because I think actually um Venetia and I have never talked about this before Mm, but with both my parents I didn't I was you know Mm. I really like I feel so much for this side that you're talking about this story because when both my parents were sick, we had to manage their medication. We didn't know what we were doing. You mm-hmm. know, it's a very scary thing to try and manage someone's pain with medications that could harm yeah. them and you don't yeah. know anything about it. You have no point of reference. You have no idea. Like, I, know, I always remember my sister and I one night, my dad was in so much pain and we gave him the morphine and we weren't sure if we gave him the right amount. And we were both sitting there going, okay, we've given it to him. <laughs> Fingers crossed he wakes up mm, because he yeah. was sleeping then. And we thought we were sat mm. up, both of us sat up all night going, oh, my God, I hope he wakes up. Oh, my God. And he did. Obviously, he woke up. But that feeling of responsibility when you don't know anything it's about terrifying. it, it's terrifying. Yeah. You want to help someone, the person you love, not feel pain. And then you're like, I just remember my hand sweating. I was like, I can either give you this. It's not working. You're in crying in agony. Mm. And I'm like, but I'm afraid to give you more because I'm afraid I'll kill you. Yeah. And it's like, it's added pressure mm. to an already horrendous situation. Yeah. yeah, even though I was I was living in the house with her, she was on like background pain medication, mm. and then you have pain spikes, and you take yeah, these top ups, top ups, yeah, basically. Exactly, yeah. And it meant that all the conversations that I wanted to ha- have with her, like mm. almost, it was really difficult to try and find the time to do that. Even though I'd ask her, it'd be like, it's like talking to someone when they're drunk, basically, mm. and. It was really difficult over the weeks with my mom's partner basically picking on me on, on the side. My my mm. mom wouldn't see that or like mm. he was kind of doing these... She's probably too early yeah. to, to yeah. register. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but also she was in a relationship with a person that like 
I guess she'd have to have turned a blind eye to his bad behaviour yeah. in some way mm. for her to live there herself. Mm. Um, Do you think, I mean, this is an aside, but would she have been conditioned to that from yeah. Yeah. her previous relationship yeah. down through the years? Well, you know, at the very end, um, it all comes to a head and she faces him down and she stands up to him even though she's collapsed in her chair and she, she can barely talk and she's on breathing apparatus. And what had happened was he had openly, verbally attacked me and said horrible things to me in front mm. of her and it was just he had dropped the guard and um, so there was a massive shift and my mum's friend Helen and Barbara came in and it was like an intervention and they helped her I guess stand up to him in a sense but when it came down to it, she was on her own with him and she asked me to, to wait in the other room and, and she just told him that you know, I don't love you. You know, the moment that you spoke to my son like that, I could see who you were, really, and this is over, and I want you to leave the house. And he he wouldn't, and he didn't, and he was like, I love you, I'm not going anywhere, you don't know what you're saying, he's controlling you, he's, you know, making you sick, and, you know, but she just threatened him at that point. She said, if you don't leave the room, I'm going to call the police. So he fired off, and the next day, early that morning she woke up and she was having some type of like a it was like a, a seizure attack or something I didn't know what it was yeah. and I, I was very frightened so I found the palliative unit and they told me what to give her she had like a at this point she had a shunt in her arm oh, yeah. um, so there was like medication in the fridge um, and it, it Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's like a relaxant. And the nurse asked me, if her partner, I did Aaron Verticom is there. <laughs> yeah, you guys uh, couldn't her, see that, but important to the, <laughs> to the story. <laughs> if, he, if he was around and I just panicked and, and started crying and, and I, I, I was like, this is what's happened. He's, you know, she's asked him to leave and he won't. And mm. he's saying that I'm making her sick and, mm. and I feel really frightened. Mm. And, and so she sent a, a social worker and a nurse around to the house immediately mm. and my mom's friend then I, I found her and she she told me not to worry she was like you'll be okay and so she came drove up and I just explained to them what had happened and they could see my mom had deteriorated a lot oh, yeah. at that point and and so 
they said, well, we can't take him out of the house, but we can take you out of the house if you want. There's a private hospital room for situations like of need. And I just looked at my mom and, and she just said to me, she was like, do you want to go? And I was like, yeah. 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 I was like, yeah, I, I, I do. And um, she was like, well, then we're going. And the social worker took out a power of attorney form and she was like, you don't need to worry about this Mm. person she was like if your mother is happy to sign this we can sign over enduring power of attorney to you now and you don't need to be frightened so that all happened very quickly and then they, they moved us into a um a hospital room a private hospital room which is beautiful my mom's friend came with us and it was very difficult for my mom because she i guess that was her life mm. everything in that house she felt like she was leaving behind and that night she um she asked me to record her talking um, and um, she just explained to me what the last 15 years with that person had been like and how she regretted staying with him and how she felt sad about it and how she missed me and my sister and and she had so many regrets about not spending time with us over that time and mm. um, um, but she she wanted me to record it because she wanted me to it was like she she wanted me to to know the if anything happened that um that that, that we'd have like some sort of proof of how she felt mm-hmm. after she she left because there's been trouble since with her house she's a house in Wexford and he he went after that basically and so the recording is really actually very sad and grim because she's talking about all these horrible things and I guess it was to answer your earlier question about it happening that she'd met this man very similar to my father in a lot of ways and she said this thing to me she was like you know why why did I always go for the bird with the broken wing you know she said I just wanted to to love him and I wanted to see the good in him and every time he did something I just wanted to see that he was capable of love and and he just took advantage of me over and over and over again. What did it mean to you, Sean, that she was able to reach this point before she died and you were there with her? Um, I guess I was so exhausted at that point. It was really sad because I I wanted to have had this with her so much Mm. sooner, you know. I was like, I wanted to have spent more of my life with her and... Um, it was all very um, intense because I didn't know how close she was to the end at that point and she seemed like she was like very near the end that night and the next morning she had another lease of life and and Mm. the the doctor came in the assessor and then things started to change very quickly again the doctor was like she said to my mum she was like is it still your wish to go back to Ireland um, my mom was like, oh, of course, I'd love to see my my mother and my daughter. And, you know, I just remember being like, why is why is she asking us this? Because <laughs> at this yeah, point, you thought it was, it's like, impossible. It was impossible. Yeah. Like, she'd had like this procedure twice at this yeah. point, And like she she was on breathing apparatus. Yeah. And, um, and the doctor was like, um, I think that you should take the risk and and you have a 24 hour window you need to book a flight immediately and go wow. um and i think you should take the risk and um she said i'll i'll write you a letter to certify to fly we'll find out the best way she's like you're not going to be able to bring oxygen with you because we can't get clearance for that um so i remember just thinking i was like oh my god are we going to be able to do this and 
so everything started then I was like mom where's your passport and she left it in the house oh, behind us fuck. and I knew that I was like he this person is the type of person that would run through he went through all my stuff when mm. I was there as well and would constantly rummage through things oh. it was like one of his games mm. where he'd move things and see if you'd notice so I went back with my mom's best friend Helen who is an amazing woman I can't stress on incredible Australian tough as nails but <laughs> kind as heart mm. I love her to bits I still am in touch with her um, and we got in the car and I was like okay we'll just go in I'll just say that like I'm grabbing like a weekend bag from mom that she's in hospital and that you know we'll be back to the house and that she's just having a temporary stay and I was like I'll you know get mm. a bit so I'm you distract him and I'll go into the, the, the bedroom and see and I knew where it was I went in Helen started talking to your man and I went in and I I just remember the mom before I opened the drawer and I was like oh god and I pulled it back and there was her passport sitting there and I just grabbed a pair of her knickers wrapped (laughs) it in it and stuffed it into a bag and with a load of other things I was like okay great I was like when I came out of the room Helen could see in my face that That you had so we nipped out of there and before he'd let us leave the house he was like I want your mother's car keys um, and I was like oh he's like okay I guess so and thinking I was yeah, like yeah. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh here you go <laughs> and so we we belted out of there and that night we got on a plane and at the airport we left the oxygen there and the doctor had warned me actually after she'd asked if, if we were up for going back she she brought me and Helen into another room and and she basically said that my mom might die on the flight and that if she stops breathing to refuse resuscitation because she said that they will like crack her ribs and she'd mm. die very painfully yeah. as opposed to suffocating um, and of course hearing that I was completely frightened and terrified but also spurned on to like do it I was like we have to do this we yeah. have to get back home so on the flight I guess it just was it was it was hell it was hell it was it was really hell like as soon as the cabin started to pressurise her breathing was like suppressed and I guess every minute of that flight it was like 23 hours it felt like so long and I was holding her hand and she was almost begging me for like help and I was like mom I can't do anything except all I can do is give you this stuff and I spaced out like the different drugs that she had and, and again it came down to like the doctor that so kindly put us on this track and gave mm. us that letter to, to go she was like just give her anything she was like at this stage just give her anything mm. and it felt like I was just feeding her drugs and mm. um, she was coming in and out of consciousness and like there was people looking at us and it was just very um, that was the hardest hardest part because I was terrified that she was going to die and as the first flight was starting to descend, she was like, I need an ambulance, I need an ambulance. And I was like, no, I was like, we can't, because if we get stuck in Abu Dhabi, that's it, we're stuck. Mm. And so there was like a, a, an attendant and we got stopped and I was, mm. was like, is is this woman okay? And I was like, oh yeah, I was like, she's totally fine. <laughs> she's great. She's totally great. Yeah. She's, yeah. Just, she's just on a few painkillers. She's yeah. Your acting, yeah, your yeah. acting skills came, yeah. came And I remember just getting on that second flight and just thinking oh my God, whatever happens now, at least we're on the way back to Ireland. Mm. So even if she does die, we'll be back in Ireland. And mm. we got to the point where we were coming up to Ireland and I was just like sweating. I just remember thinking, oh my God, we're nearly there, we're nearly there, we're nearly there. And the plane landed down. I just remember thinking, oh fuck. 
was just a really slow, gentle process of getting my mom off the plane and into a wheelchair. And then I remember just thinking everything was bright and starry and I was like rolling around yeah. and like I was like, I don't know what's going on and we we got out and into the, the arrivals and my my aunts like ran over to us and they just like were in, they looked they looked like a mirror of what I'm sure mm. I looked like when they, they looked like upset and and um we brought my mom straight to Tala Hospital and it was it was a sad kind of decline from that point on. It didn't feel like really a victory. It was like we got back to Ireland. My mom was so debilitated by the flight. It was like it had really taken it out of her. And I was so drained and exhausted from the weeks before. And she went into Tala Hospital and she was in a ward and my mom just she wasn't able to like she wasn't able to explain what she needed. Mm. She was too sick and too worn out. And I like begged them to put, bring her to a, a hospice. And um, after that, then it was like another week. And then we got into um, Our Ladies in Harold's Cross. And it was so beautiful. Mm. I remember getting the ambulance journey from the hospital to Harold's Cross. My mom looked out the window and she saw the mountains and she was like, this is the only bit of Ireland I've seen since I've been here mm. I I wish I had more time to see more Um, and when we got into the hospice it was so beautiful and the staff were so wonderful and They're amazing. Yeah. Um, she said to me God I hope I live long enough to enjoy this <laughs> <laughs> and um, she she lived for a week after that and um I was in with her every day and the family were coming in every day and um, it was just it, um, on the on the Thursday before um, she passed away on the, the Monday the 12th of February and the Thursday before they the hospice went around with a drinks cart and she was still sharp <laughs> enough to be like um, I'll have a brandy and then she winks and elbows me and she's that's for you <laughs> 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 that drinks cart. Yeah. So I've had experience with that drinks cart in Harold's Cross, and uh, they, the, this story will always stay with me. But they came in and they saw us drinking whiskey out of plastic cups in the, in Harold's Cross, and they said, "Nope." Someone came in and said, "No, nope, we can't have this," and we thought we were in trouble. Yeah. And my dad was sitting there going, "Guys, I don't want to lose this bed. Everybody, stop drinking out of the top. Put it away." And they just came in with glasses. Oh, yeah. They said, you can't drink it out of a plastic oh. cup. And I just think that yeah. like they the, the way they are in that place, yeah. they do things that are yeah. remarkable. The, yeah. Yeah. They're incredible. Yeah. But they're able to help you, Sean, because you know, obviously, and I'm not, you know, but when the person dies, yeah. that is a really yeah big thing mm-hmm. yeah. a big moment and you if you don't have experience with it yeah which i'm imagining that maybe no. you didn't no. you don't know what to do and they help make it that much easier yeah. to help you guide you did you find that that helped to kind of guide you through those steps in the initial hours and days it was lovely at the end it was frightening at the end in some ways but it was lovely it was you know like you never know exactly when someone is going to leave and um, it was I remember the Sunday night my aunt Roisin was like I'm going to stay with her tonight and I was like thinking I was like wondering why I was like no I was like she should be fine I'd say and I was thinking maybe she's like another week I don't know and um, but I was like no she's my mom is like as tough as nails I don't know when she's going to go like and she doesn't want to and, and then 
the next morning I woke up and I got a call and Roisin was like, um, you need to come, like your mum, like she's gone, lost consciousness. So um, I went in and my sister came in and the family were all around and, and it was like, it, it like it was really strange like that at that point she was lying in the bed and she didn't like lying down because she had fluid in her lung and, and I started panicking I was like no 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 I was like no no she has to sit up she has to sit up and, and the nurse came over to me and she was like oh it's okay she was like it's okay she needs to lie down mm. now and I remember just thinking oh this is it this is the mm. very end and like a few hours passed and my granny was in and, and out and, and I just wanted to be on my own with her and my sister and so my aunt Gronya who's amazing she was like she cleared them all out she was like no they need a minute like mm. leave her leave her and she was like you older ones go off and have lunch in the canteen <laughs> or whatever and she hooshed them out and, <laughs> and then me and my sister we sang to my mom, um a mama's and a papa's song that, mm. that we used to sing to her when we were kids and um, we just talked to her and we told her that we'd be okay and I sat down beside her and I, I held her arm and my um, Aunt Gronya came back in then and she was like, I think you guys need lunch. And I just looked at my mom and I knew mm. she was she was going to go. And I said, I was like, no, no. I was like, Lorna, I was like, don't leave to my sister. I was like, come here. And, and I held my mom and I just said, look, it's, it's okay. I was like, you can leave, it's, it will be okay. And really strangely, a priest came into the room and I turned around and I was like my mom is just about to go I was like don't say anything and my aunt Gronya put her arm around us and she just took her last breath mm. and I, it was just like this moment of like like a shock like I I and then of course like you can just hear this wailing outside then of when it's that moment that everyone is there for and I could hear my, my grandmother wailing like she was so sad that she hadn't been in the room no one else was there except me and my sister and my aunt Gronya and this priest oddly enough and it was then I, I wanted everyone just to go away and I just wanted to hold my mom and say goodbye to her and like 20 people gushed into the room and I just yeah. took a step back with my sister and gave her a hug and I called my mom's best friend straight away over in Australia. And then the rest of it just all happens as it does, you know. Um, I think it's really amazing that you would share that part of the story because um, there are other people that have been in that position where it is scary and it is, you know, not peaceful or easy. Um, so thank you and thank you so much for coming in to join us. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.